You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome! To the Shutdown Fullcast, the internet's only college football podcast. Uh, we're here to review the week that was, and uh, that week included, by the way, everybody coming out to uh, uh, Rudyard's in Houston, come to our live show, brought to you by Banner Society, our home, our community, our culture, our shell you know corporation. Different? You know what's different about this show and the live show? Hmm. We remembered to say Banner Society during this show, which I'm <laughs> almost positive we didn't do in Houston. BannerSociety.com. BannerSociety.com. Banner Society. Your home, your community, your people on the internet for everything college football. If that sounds like an accusation, it absolutely is. But thank you to everybody who came out for the show. Um, you know, like We've had very, very, very good crowds everywhere we have went, but... Uh, I don't think anything can quite compare to uh, a good and semi-liquored up, semi-liquored up Houston crowd. That was that was my favorite crowd so far. Yeah, I mean, maximum Texas, yes. Um, additionally, we really couldn't see anything from the stage, so anything shouted out or yelled at us, it was all a surprise. We had no idea what was coming. It was good because we got not threatened per se. Well, no, the Texas Tech thing wasn't threat. Yeah, yeah, you didn't. <laughs> Did that Kentucky fan make it home okay? I ha- I had people demanding I rank UGK ahead of Outcast, which sorry, you you I, I might not leave this room alive in Houston, but it's just not going to happen. And then I had I had drunk Texas Tech girl wondering why we weren't talking about Texas Tech. Why aren't you talking about Texas Tech? And and somehow I Ryan liked was her. like, "I'll fuck off." Ryan had I I didn't say I liked or disliked her. I said sh- I thought she might murder me. 
these things are not mutually exclusive. But somehow Ryan had vacated the area for both of these. Um, Because I'm smart. All of these things happen, of course, during Q&A, which you don't get to listen to if you weren't at the show. So maybe we're making it all up. Prove us wrong. Dark match. Probably. Dark match. Um, I yeah. did. It did make me sad because we got the question about um, uh, somebody somebody asking what coaching staff should be in Russian five on five MMA. Um, and I proposed Boston College, and then a night later, well, Boston. Kansas. I mean, twenty four points would be a lot in uh. In MMA, right? Is that true? I don't know if that's true. I mean, I feel like that. What that means you that means you won two and a half rounds. Okay, right? I guess that's true. I don't know how that works with five score. with five five on five, but yeah, uh, I'm sure it's the same as boxing. Okay. Um, Spencer, can I get some podcast business? Podcast business. What's that business? Podcast business. What's that business? Okay, that's good. Thank it's you. a tiger, and it's also business. But that tiger is not lonely, Dick. just to be clear. Nope. Nope. Mike is not lonely. Um, We're not going to be lonely either, goddammit, because we're coming to Charlotte and Jacksonville, the two places you go for friendship and uh, or- or- organ theft, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, fitness, organ theft is a form of fitness, if you think about it. It is. When you play Civilization, remember, you can be the Mongols, Mm -hmm. the French, Americans, ancient Greeks, or Duval! (laughs) Or Duval. (laughs) Duval! I would love that, I would love that Civ patch. You can just play as Duval. (laughs) Build vape shop. Build vape shop. Build vape shop. Um, yeah, so we're coming to Charlotte uh, Friday. I'm going to make sure I get these dates right. Friday, October 4th, I believe that one is. And then we're coming to Jacksonville Friday, November 1st, before the cocktail party. Do we have venues booked for either of these yet? No. So roam those cities on those dates until you find us. Yeah. Um, treat it like a... Treat it like a GTA mission where you have to drive around and at a certain time, you'll we'll call you. How do we get your phone? Not important. How'd the cocktail party end up in November? Uh, the way Halloween, the way Halloween sits. Like I think that's the like the calendar is just weird this year. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's where we're gonna be. If you have recommendations or if you are affiliated with a venue, this is literally how we ended up at the Ann Arbor Library, which was great. Um, email us at shutdown.fullcast <laughs> at Vox. Fortunately, Jacksonville doesn't have a library. Uh, not they may. Por- you can have porn in one. Actually, the Ann Arbor one kind of did too. So also, it had nine and a half weeks. Address, yeah. So no, no one will know where to send it. Shutdown.fullcast at voxmedia.com, or find us on Reddit, or DM one of us. Whatever. Um, don't DM me. Please don't DM Holly. We'll try to figure. We'll try to uh, get tickets up for these. I don't know. When we do. Nice. I'm not making any promises after this last one. Nope. Listen, Absolutely not. We got in. We got out. Spencer had a horrible <laughs> rash. A non-contagious rash. I want to I emphasize. Pro- so far, a non-contagious rash. 
Everybody check your legs. Medically cleared. I would really, I think it would be a fitting tribute to this podcast overall ethos and existence if we became the focal point in a CDC cluster study. I do like that we called this your flu game uh, on the mic at the show so as not to alarm anyone in attendance that it was actually your full body rash game. Full body, full body rash game. I think that's thematically appropriate for this week of college football because it was not blood week. Just for everyone wanted to know unclear why, because it's not like that many ranked teams lost and the ones that did were not particularly highly ranked, but I don't know, maybe Kansas beating Boston College early had a big prime for this. But it, but Those I am willing antsy for blood. But I am willing to consider this potentially a full body rash week. I don't even know if it's full body. A partial body rash. Like it, it, it was rash week in the sense that like what you could a lot of what you could see, you were like, get that out. No. That's not good. Stop it. It's you know what I would also put this way, if things went super wrong for Kentucky, definitely a full body rash week. Oh man, that's a normal week. Yeah, Jason has a different term for this, which I think is preferable anyway. More generous, certainly. <laughs> so our uh, our most excited colleague is, is are we do we dare call him a colleague? Is that sort of promoting ourselves to his level? We're colleagues. I think. Yeah. Who are we talking our, our, about? Our devoted colleague, Gus Johnson, oh. with whom we are equally as prominent uh, and, and known. There's Fox is doing this thing. Big Noon Saturday is their name for <laughs> the game they are putting on their flagship channel at noon. It's a good idea. You don't need to put that on at 8 o'clock up against the bigger game on ABC. Just punt. Punt to noon. That's what all. That's what's happening in the noon games anyway. Is punting. So, um, for whatever reason, when Gus Johnson says "big noon Saturday," it sounds like "big nude Saturday." Uh, and Spencer and I were very, very excited about this. Basically, all day Saturday. Yeah, it sounded like you maybe had a little cold. Uh, if so, I hope he keeps it going. I hope he feels better, but I hope he keeps it going. Um, and I, I noticed lots of other people enjoyed it as well. So I'm hoping we can embrace big nude Saturday. This as sort of the foundational introductory big nude Saturday, which I mean, it, it, it fit the day's events there, there was, uh, everyone just sort of played like they weren't wearing clothes. If you can picture what that means. Or like they were scrambling to put clothes on. Like, like or, you yeah. had just walked <laughs> in trying on to them. get off the stage. You had just walked in on them naked and they're like, Oh God, ah, geez. This will this will never be the same, will it? I don't know. Iowa was playing like they were just proud to be luxuriating, just just wallowing around in it. I will tell you that if you have ever been to a nude beach, there are two ways people lay. One, demure legs close to each other. The second way people lay is for all the glory of the Lord to be seen in the human form from whence it came. Time to yeah. aerate this bitch. Yeah, Iowa, Iowa, given how proud Iowa was, they had sunscreen in places you never thought sunscreen could or should go. But they, they didn't just, need it because it rained all day. That's, <laughs> that's what made, that's, in, <laughs> nude in the rain. Yeah, in Ames, in the filthy water. You don't get more naked than punting in a key situation with a one-point lead with, I believe, a minute and 30 seconds to go. 
like it was the swaggiest thing you could possibly do. <laughs> and it turns out it was the swaggiest thing they could possibly do. Because unlike the rest of us, Iowa has played Iowa State every single year since the dawn of time. I don't correct me on that. Dawn of time is like 1903 with intermittent Spen- Spencer's a creationist. Yeah. But the, uh, because they knew that Iowa State would do something extremely Iowa State-ish. I.e. having, uh, I believe, the gunner take out the returner with a solid hit. I mean, a chest-to-chest obliteration of his own man for reasons that neither Matt Campbell nor God can explain. Kirk Ferentz won by punting. And then I, I sort of imagine after he did, did that, he just turned around like, see, any questions? Right? Like, what have I been telling you all along? The gospel of the punt, you doubters. Give it to the other people and let them effort. It will go badly for them because they are trying. Football's an amazing instructor of life. Don't, don't, don't do. Don't achieve. Just punt. Or if you're pit, just oh, punt in, di- directly into the uh, directly into the goalpost. It's kind of a punt. Can we talk Does... about the dumb the dumb shit Pat Narduzzi said about this that decision at the after the game? I don't even think I saw it. Okay, so <clears throat> this yeah. is a game in which um, late in late in the game, like midway through the fourth quarter, I want to say, maybe like eight minutes left. I'm just guessing, but whatever. Pitt has the ball, first and goal on the one. Memory serves, they go incomplete pass, quarterback keeper that gets stuffed for no gain, incomplete pass, where if the quarterback had gotten the ball out quicker, probably should have been a touchdown. Fourth and goal on the one. They've made no progress. They're down seven points at this juncture, and they decide to attempt literally the shortest possible field goal. They miss this field goal, which is funny in and of itself. But after the game, and, you know, they go on to lose. And after the game, people say, you know, why did you decide to kick a field goal there on the one against, you know, against a team you you really hadn't seen a lot of offensive progress against? And Pat Narduzzi's answer was, well, you have to score twice to win the game at that point. And we're not playing for overtime. Like, that was the twisted fucking logic to to take the far more conservative choice is that he was being ballsy and not playing for overtime by deciding to forego the chance at a touchdown. And and look, even if you think that that's the, there's some merit to that logic that yes, you have to score twice. When you're down 7, one of them definitely has to be a touchdown and you're at the one. So why wouldn't you try to make that the score? Why wouldn't you this try is- to or or if you don't get it Try to get a safety. That also is a score. This is also... Do we know about two-point conversions? Mm -hmm. He may not. Mm -hmm. Pitt may not at this point. Yeah. I mean, really, When also consider this. That in a game where you've only scored, what, 10 points total that entire game, you're treating the luxury of getting a TD like it's something one can pick up at the Wawa, right? Like you can just, oh, yeah, we can go down and do that. No, you can't. You're three feet away. And they couldn't. And true to form, no. they couldn't. 
That's not something you're built to do. Pitt only got into that position through a circus catch. Through on, some on, astonishing on fourth, work. On fourth down, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, a circus catch on fourth down. You should read the writing on the wall and understand. Your very proximity to the end zone, that's a low probability event to begin with. <laughs> it was it was like I I said this I said this in the top whatever, but the the fascinating thing about Pitt is that when they do when the super weapon fires, it's not actually a super weapon where you're like, oh my god, all the pieces came together and they all acted in concert and obliterated the like that is not true. What happens is Pitt still fumbles all over itself, gets its dick stuck in its own zipper. Shits, it shits its own pants, but still, win, despite all those things, still wins. Like, there is no version where it's like, oh, man, Pitt just moved up and down the field and played strong defense and didn't make mistakes, and that's why they won. It's like, nope, they still did all those things, but they accidentally set you on fire. The the greatest part about this, Ryan, you really did have the best way of putting the Penn State-Pitt relationship, Right. The the, the the idea of sitting of getting of being sat next to a chatty person on an airplane. Uh huh. Yeah. Terrible thing to be. Really funny to watch though. <laughs> Penn State fans hate this. It's it's great because you know from a anybody who's not involved with this game on a personal level, it's like we got to keep playing this rivalry. These games are close and they're intense and they matter you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and they may be right, but every Penn state fan on your timeline, when this game is played on Saturday is like, please, you can have, uh, yeah, I'll give you $50,000 of my own money to never play this rivalry again. <laughs> <laughs> they want nothing to do with it. And I don't blame them. It always sucks. Even when they win. Yeah. Cause Pitt puts everyone on the struggle bus, right? Like, <laughs> Hey, we can fly guys. Nope. On board the struggle bus, <laughs> like that's what let's. It, they make everybody like you know. It's more you know the only thing that's that's like close to as frustrating as being pit in that situation and watching watching Narduzzi line up on fourth and one to kick, being Penn State and being like, God, I can't believe I have to put up with this shit, and I can't believe this is why we're going to win because of that. <laughs> I cannot believe we're barely beating these idiots. Uh, yeah, like we only scored 17 points in this garbage. James oh. Franklin tried very hard to keep Pitt in the game at the end, too. <laughs> <laughs> J- James Franklin clock management? Like, all right, everybody. First of all, aluminum goes in the microwave. All right, yeah, sure. All right, three minutes. That should be enough. I don't know. I think that's Penn State supporting the rivalry in its own way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like it's like Penn State selling Pitt's moves. <laughs> Oh wow! I'm staggered. Uh, oh, I can't think straight. I'm so disoriented. What a punch! Devastating blow. Yeah. That. that oh my gosh! That four yard gain. It has me staggered. James James Franklin uh, from about the four minute like warning, the four minute mark in a game. The four minute warning should be a thing in a in a Penn State game. Just for it James Franklin. James Franklin, Franklin is around. <laughs> The clock doesn't even stop. There's just like a siren. You know how there's a get back coach? Yeah. Right? There should be an abduction coach <laughs> who just takes James Franklin away from his headset when the four minute mark happens. James Franklin, he's good at 
getting a program moving in the right direction and recruiting. And when it comes to time management, he should be locked in an equipment locker. And now Keegan-Michael Key comes out to coach the remainder of the yeah. game for State. <laughs> and just somebody there with, like, the chart, right? Like, okay, yeah, take a timeout now. Yep. Take a time. Good, good. That would be a better replacement for James Franklin once he decides to, like, once he starts to, hey, let me cook. Let me cook. Go for a two-point conversion. We're on defense. I know. It's chess. It's not. Speed chess. Speed chess boxing. My knight Dan uses Mo- his lasers. That's not a thing. Dan Mullen has a little bit of that, too. Like, a little bit of that, like, I'm going to make things happen. <laughs> like, go for two. You failed. Go for two again. Failed. Kick. No, you should go for two. Failed. No, don't run it out. Like, the end of that Kentucky game. God. <laughs> I I finally figured out what the Florida experience, what the Florida side of this rivalry is, especially when Florida wins. You know in a tennis match when there's a really good rally and um, one player hits the tape and the ball bounces, like, slides over and just falls, and they win the point on that bullshit, and they sort of raise their hand sheepishly to be like, yeah, sorry, that sucks but also yeah. it counts and I'm not saying it doesn't that's yeah. that's Florida beating Kentucky is just yeah 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 all of that was bad and really took away every every good thing you did for no good reason but also it counts we're, it's a W for me just so we're clear but sorry in this case it would be that plus I won the match and later discovered I had a torn ACL <laughs> From the match, right? Because Florida <laughs> that's lost. A particularly, their yeah, that's a particularly full. unfortunate metaphor for this. On comparison, but hey, let's just keep going. Yeah. Like, hey, next man up, next metaphor up. We're just yeah. gonna keep going uh, because Kyle Trask had to finish the game after Felipe Franks was had a his ankle dislocated during a collision at the line of scrimmage, and Kyle Trask did great. Uh, he's the backup. Everyone loves him. Everyone always loves the backup, right? Uh, Dan Mullen has announced that both Kyle Trask and Emory Jones will see time. I think that means that Kyle Trask will pass and Emory Jones will run. And we're all the way back to 2006 again. Woo! Retro! Retro Gator football, y'all! Yeah, but um, we beat Kentucky, which that puts us on a one-game win streak against Kentucky. Go Gators. I appreciated Jason um, bringing us down memory lane for all the things that were real in our world last time Florida beat Kentucky. I just thought maybe, yeah, maybe like, oh, remember what the world was. like. I was going to say that, uh, that that would be when, oh, did 2017? Yep. The last time this happened. Yep. Good math. Good job. Oh, hey. Thank you. I I think, uh, by the way, Uncle Cracker had not been invited to perform at homecoming for Florida. That'd be Uncle Cracker, who I believe has pled to a second-degree sexual offense in Florida. That's good. That's the guy we invited for homecoming. Uncle Cracker. I'm going to go ahead and check. First of all, he's much older than you would think. Uncle Cracker? I'm putting him at 48. Uh, 45. 45? Okay. Uncle alone, that's 20 years. Cracker? Crackers yeah. another thirty. Um, I'm not. Oh yeah, 
he was he was indeed uh, arrested in 2007 on a second degree sex offense charge, pled guilty to a lesser charge, and sentenced to a year of probation. Did it seem like this week it was kind of El Asico broke contain this week? We had we had the Iowa thing. We had El Asico itself was maximum El Asico. We had Florida doing all that shit. Mm-hmm. We also had Arizona State as Spencer. <laughs> What a magnificent football event. <laughs> nothing. Just seas of nothing. Here here are here are here are stats that Michigan State clearly beat Arizona State in during this game. Third down efficiency, they won fifty two percent to thirty percent. Yards per play, they won five point four five to four point one five. Major difference. Time of possession they had over over um, seven minutes more in this game. The the degree to which Michigan State fucked this up because because everybody wants to talk about the end and the end is a is a fuck up in a lot of ways on almost all sides, include you know on Michigan State side on the officiating side on the kicker side, whatever. The, it's they they missed. This is what they did when they crossed mis- midfield all day. I went through and I added this up if I fucked it up. Well, go find another college football podcast. After they crossed midfield, the offense basically just, like, slowed way down. They ran 30 plays for 106 yards. That's three and a half yards per play. They had a fumble, and including that one at the end of the game, they had three missed field goals. So, like, Arizona State's plan of, like, yeah, let him get on our side, and that's when... That's when we have all the traps. We'll home alone them, basically, with their own offense. <laughs> it was just terrible. Just terrible. It is the slacker it is the slackeriest win probability chart I've ever seen. Because after they kicked the field goal to go up 3-0, a dominating 3-0 <laughs> lead. It's like a gentle EKG hanging somewhere around the like 30 to 45% mark, mm-hmm. right? And then at the very end, Arizona State says, fine, I'll get up and do it. And it goes like it just rockets to 100% in the last 3% of the graph. It's literally Herm Edwards being like, oh, you made me get out of my chair. <laughs> uh, like they had, but which by the way, I didn't really get to elaborate on this. But the way Arizona State won that game was how somebody who has never played a football game, but is very good at video games wins that game right they're like oh you could just run the quarterback around <laughs> you can just keep, you can just throw the ball down there and maybe sometimes the guy catches it like on the last three plays or the last four plays i think three of them were just um were just arizona state's quarterback uh i believe Jaden daniels just him running like running right when everybody else went left right it was like bootleg uh oh look Michigan State's just leaving that up, and I'm going to run over here. Look, wow, football's not hard. We could have done this the whole game. And then, then the part that's like the, the like topper, the little cake topper for me on this gigantic wedding cake of Michigan State misery is this, that they put 12 out there for the field goal, and I don't think it was a mistake. I think they were like, field goals are very important. We should put more <laughs> men out there. <laughs> We need to maximize resources. <laughs> yeah, block. We need backup. We need backup. <laughs> Call in the National Guard. We're about to try a field goal. 
<laughs> like, if any team in America... Is all hands on deck. I know, like, if any team in America thought that you could just have, like, a guest DJ during the field goal jam, it'd be Michigan State, right? Like, yeah, you get an extra person for those because they're super important. We need 12 people out there because kickers aren't people. <laughs> <laughs> There's 11 men and one boy. Well, I don't see the problem. <laughs> 12 men on the field incorrect (laughs) like that's the best i mean michigan state just sitting there flailing and attempting to effort their way into football excellence and dying and falling into a bottomless pit that's this whole game while herm edwards is just like okay fine three minutes of work we'll put in three minutes of work on offense and win this whole thing a delight What's awesome is this is exactly how Michigan State prefers to win. Yeah. Michigan State got Michigan Stated. Like, go look how many times uh, Mark D'Antonio has done this exact thing to others. Not not so fun now, is it? Also, it's also good because they lost this game last year because they blew Michigan State blew a fourth quarter lead. Uh, Arizona State came back, scored thirteen points in the last last frame including a game-winning field goal at the end, lost 16-13. So Michigan State had to be going into being like, it's going to be different this year. And, well, it was. So. What's the one knock on Michigan State for Michigan fans, too? Like, uh, couldn't get into Michigan. Could not, like, just not quite there, right? And then what do they do in the last play of this game against Arizona State, the school that was the warning for parents who bought their way into USC, right? I don't want my kid to go to Arizona State. Arizona State counted correctly on the last play of the game, and Michigan State didn't. (laughs) 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 Oh, oh, I'm finished. Uh, Also on the list of Elasicoing, we had K-State winning a game in which K-State botched like 19 different punts something like that and there, there and was like fumbled an interception return as well yeah not exactly how we're used to seeing k-state win but i think it's more entertaining than how we're used to seeing k-state win so i'm in favor um we also saw minnesota beat georgia southern despite georgia southern in the final minutes running back i think a fumble and a field goal both for touchdowns minnesota of course completing the idiots gauntlet as our entire minnesota preview was uh holly pointing out how stupid they are for scheduling these teams but how much we appreciate them doing so for entertainment and boy did that deliver Definitely keep doing that, Minnesota. It was great for us. I also like that I can't wait. they lived up to Holly's prediction by having to win all these games in incredibly stupid fashion as well. <laughs> Each one got more and more perilous. It was fantastic. You don't want to schedule one of these teams and they had three in a row. I feel bad for them, but also I don't ever want them to stop doing this. It's like we said, hey, don't run with scissors. And PJ Fleck was like, <laughs> fine, I got swords. <laughs> Let's go! But like, but like stupid swords that you don't get any credit if you spear yourself with them. Yeah, like larping swords. This motherfucker's running around with like fireplace pokers. Like you dipshit, you impaled yourself on a fireplace poker. I will laugh if because right now Minnesota sits at three and zero. That's that's a big accomplishment for Minnesota football, right? Yeah. Not not the most competitive program over the last 
50 years. <laughs> right? So yeah. it's a big deal for them being 3-0. and And I had a few people salty with me on Twitter when I suggested that this record was somewhat fraudulent. I will laugh my ass off if I'm like, yeah, man, they they just got this like weak, tricky part of their schedule. Now they're just going to get it handed to in the Big Ten. If they go to the Rose Bowl this year... <laughs> Hold, hold on. Here are their here are their next four games. Okay. <laughs> they play on the road at Purdue. Then they host Il- then they host Illinois. And win. then they host Nebraska. Win. And then they go to Rutgers. Massive win. Like there is a not insubstantial chance that especially not just because like Purdue has been real up and down this year. Nebraska is capable of all things. Illinois, we thought was maybe good, and they lost to Eastern Michigan and Rutgers is Rutgers. Like there is, a, there is a combination of these are theoretically beatable opponents, and they are all opponents who are prone to dumbass snake bitery. That Minnesota seems to have a monopoly on being the snake right now. It's we're at- Minnesota. Minnesota's worked up an immunity to snake bites. Yeah. I would not be surprised if that was the thing. That was part of the plan. Man, Minnesota fears nothing now. If they go to the Rose Bowl, they're going to face like James Madison or something somehow. They do a lot of things football wise, by the way, which are very obviously smart things that other teams just don't do sometimes. Right. Like their two minute drive for the final score against Georgia Southern. It was nothing but five yard outs. You know how many teams I saw mess up like a basic two-minute drill this weekend? All of them. You know who didn't? Minnesota, because they were like, five-yard out. The announcers are like, this is genius. How are they doing this? Five-yard out. Oh, it's what the defense gives up every time you go into prevent. Five-yard out. Like, watching Kentucky and Florida try to, like, fail at this same thing was astonishing. I'm like, Minnesota got it right. They just threw, like, nine five-yard outs and boop. Oh, hey, look, we're in the end zone. If you had to amazing. Take, if you had to take Minnesota or Stanford, to get to eight wins this season, which Minnesota, one is, right? <laughs> Minnesota, is, please. Isn't that fucking like? And, and to be clear, that is equally because Stanford is fucking rough right now. But it's that's a very, mean, very weird thing of, that, like, that nobody would have thought a month ago. Like tons of injuries. Like that. We, should, we will say that for the three Stanford fans who follow this podcast due to Ryan's one bold leadership bold cycle <laughs> one bold cycle of stanford fandom all right if you're still listening yes you're very injured that has made you awful there are reasons for that awfulness and most of them come down to injury because there is a plague of injuries cutting through stanford right now but man that first half against uh that first half against ucf was not competitive i mean that in terms of what was this one team doing on the field with the other team? It's It sucks a little bit for UCF because Stanford is not going to be a good enough team this year for UCF to point to that and be like, see, that is, we, we proved it. We've done what you've asked and played a top team and beat them. Give us our, like, it's not going to work out this year for them. They, they, yeah, they have it- caught Stanford on realistically the one year in what like the last 10 where stanford like is a cusp bowl team it feels like right now pretty much yeah uh so like 
Stanford, you lost to USC about as badly as you did to UCF. And then USC is a team that loses to BYU. I mean, so, okay, UCF's about as good as BYU. That's what we learned there. So you're probably not making the playoff again, UCF. But, I mean, I think you're you're aware of that by now. In the week, in the week by the way, like, man, Clay, Clay Halton's timing is astonishing because in the week where your athletic director gets fired, but you have managed to take your team, right, which is supposed to start 0-2, you lose your starting quarterback, but then find a replacement who's going to be as good or even better than Keaton Slovis. Yeah, this is the week when you thought, oh, man, like, Clay Helton's going to do this. He's going to save his job. He's just going to – this is this is all going, like, against script. This is hilarious. And then you go to Provo and get your ass handed to you by BYU. <laughs> Perfect. Well done, dude. Magnificent. Uh, let's see. We also had Virginia. I think won an El Asico grade game. Um, pretty weird, especially at the end, where f- one of like three different games this weekend in which ACC officials just kind of decided time didn't exist. Well, they they, they um, were masters of time. I think it's more like if you, you know, you go back like a thousand years ago and you're like, oh, yeah, uh, give me like four feet of bubble tape bubble gum. And they're like, oh, well, our our feet are, you know, this long. Right. It's whatever the king. That's how much. We measure bubble tape by whatever the king's foot is. Also, we have bubble tape. Our king is four years old, so you're not getting very much bubble tape. And you're like, shit, you know, because you're so hungry. And that's all there was to eat back then. Yep. Um, that's how the ACC measures time uh, to to Virginia's advantage. Every reference in the Bible to manna, that's actually bubble tape. Just yep. why people were always trying to assassinate young emperors. They wanted the bubble tape. Mm. Yeah, they were just pissed off. It's how it's how Jesus turned all those loaves mm-hmm. in, into more loaves. Yep. Oh, yeah, the, the loaves into Swedish fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're all very happy, but also really aggro from the sugar we've ingested. Yeah, everyone got very sleepy around 8 o'clock because yeah. they'd eaten nothing but sugar all day. So much gelatin. Oh, the, the ACC network really has done a number on the officiating, though, because I think now they're like, we got a network, y'all. Just hit it's pause. Time to show out. No, yeah, we, we can show out. Also, we got DVR. <laughs> so if we mess up this ruling, we can just go back. We just go back, do it over. The ACC, so through through week three of the Power Five conferences, the ACC has the worst winning percentage and the <laughs> and the fewest wins in non conference play. They're nineteen and nine. Like and and what is their best? What is their best win right now? Clemson other, over Texas A and M. Okay. Yeah. Other than that one, maybe or maybe in or and the second is UNC beating South Carolina. I think the second is Wake beating UNC. <laughs> right. But, Sorry. <clears throat> excuse me. That was not a conference game. Right. That's his point. That's their best yeah, non-conference right? win. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but is it like I'm confused by the semantics behind this <laughs> because if neither of because I I would argue that this was played in some sort of negative zone mm-hmm. where neither of them can count it where it, where it's not a conference win for anybody. I think it's a exactly. perfect argument item because you can both argue for and against the ACC's quality with it. Sure. 
That's so funny. I think we should have as many of these as possible. I'm no, also I... looking forward to in like November when you're like, you know, grr, the standings, grr, and, and everyone just forgets about this game. Because that'll happen a lot. The Pac-12 is almost as bad. So far, the only Pac-12 teams that have not lost outside of the conference are Arizona State, Utah, which Utah sneakily might actually be a good team, especially because they have that season opening win over a BYU team that has been pretty feisty. Cal and the two Washington schools. Um, Cal still has a road game against Ole Miss, and Washington still has to play the aforementioned BYU. So, like, it's very weird that these two conferences, as a whole, are mo- are are quite similar to each other or have a lot of parallels. It's just the one has Clemson, and the other one has yeah. uh, blah, I don't know. Insert team here. Like I, I really Arizona State. The other one has Utah. <laughs> it's the problem. The I, I, I think, think what you're saying is that about 120 years ago. California should have tried to acquire the town of Clemson, South Carolina. Correct. Yes. The I think it also speaks to the inability of anything in college football to do anything effectively in a group in any solid direction, yes. right? Yep. And like like the ACC has a great moment last year when their flagship program right now hands Alabama its worst loss in like you know, well over 15 years and everyone else in the conference looks great and on the up and up. And then uh, in the first three weeks of the following season, absolutely plots is the Pac-12 is supposed to be down. And instead, like they all decide, well, let's go. Stanford's like, nah, I'm going to pass on that. I'm going to pass on this whole aggro Pac-12 thing. The SEC can't do anything in unison. No one in the Big Ten can either. It's it like... There is absolutely, like when people go, well, are these conferences moving in any direction? No, it's just brownie in motion. It's just random little motes of football, all sort of cast as, like into a great soup moving randomly. I mean, at this point, the ACC has suffered losses to Kansas, <laughs> a Maryland team that just lost to Temple, which we haven't even talked about as one of the stupider results of this week the Citadel and a West Virginia team that had been shut out or, or almost got shut out against Missouri. Um, like are there good, are there quote unquote good losses on here? Sure. Louisville, you know, was not going to beat Notre Dame, but held their own. Duke was never going to be in Alabama, Florida state, you know, we thought was going to be Boise state or we thought was, you know, not going to lose the way they did. Miami held their own against Florida, but Florida doesn't look great. So like, it's not, it's not a good. It's not a good time for the ACC right now, and and maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe it's just a matter of like, Clemson just has to worry about Clemson. But it is going to be very. We should all be prepared to be very tired of talking about conference strength. Can well, one more yeah, one more? That's that's an annual thing. Yeah. Yeah. One one more I, one more note on that. By the way, in case like you go. Well, what about non-conference losses? In the ACC. You're like, well, we do have some teams that are rebuilding. Okay, what do you want those rebuilding teams to do? Listen, bare minimum, okay? There's things you can't do. There's things you cannot do, right? What's that, what's that thing? You can lose to bad teams in F- FBS. That's fine. That's fine, okay? Like, Boston College didn't do that. 
They lost to Kansas. Go check. Kansas, still an FBS program, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. You just can't lose to FCS teams. That's the big no-no. And uh, that's a rule. A a rule of logic, if you will. So you think that's worse. You think Georgia Tech, first year, new coach, new system, losing to the Citadel in overtime is worse than Boston College losing with, like, they're on what you're like eight of Adazio losing badly, getting doubled up at home by a yep. Kansas team that has not been relevant in FBS play in power five play for, you know, going on eight years. You think, you think yes. that one, lo- the, the Georgia tech loss is that much worse. Uh-huh. Because the Citadel is like an Academy school at the FCS level. The Citadel isn't a good FCS team. Like yeah, pain, no. But they're not like they're not really good. The last time the Citadel did this to anyone, the coach got fired the next morning. It was like in September, y'all. And and it was Arkansas. So remember remember when we go, yeah man, Arkansas is crazy. And people are like, oh yeah, college football, it's nuts and crazy. No, man. Didn't they beat South Carolina? Yeah, they did. Like they three, did, yeah. Three, okay, so don't do things that South Carolina does. No. Yeah. Don't do that. Kansas might be I mean, a service I, academy for medical examiners. You don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, getting blown out of home by Kansas, that is insanely bad. It's very bad. But like the Georgia Tech one, to me, you're one of a new thing and whatever. Like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, you're you're the one who decided to overhaul it. You know that that's not a that's not a uh, a, a a something someone forced on you. You you could have maintained the same system, hired a younger guy who would care more about recruiting, who'd care more about defense and all that. Um, it it was on you to decide to completely tear everything down and go in a different direction. So like, all hilarity that happens within that zone is still just as hilarious. It there is. will be no adjustments made. Plus, yeah. the exact thing you gave up is what beat you. Yeah. At home. Like, not like you're going to the Citadel to play, although that would be funny. Uh, but yeah, at home. You, you you lost at home to that. To the offense that you discarded. So, congrats, I guess what we're saying is congratulations to Clemson on their playoff spot. Lock it in! I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, coming into the season, you know, you'd give them 70, 80, 90% you know, probability of making the playoff, yeah. and, and that probably sounds low, but uh, now, shit. The biggest challenge remaining in the regular season for Clemson is to, like, go through the charade of this serious press conference. Oh, you know, we prepare for every opponent the same way. Oh, yeah, any, any team can jump. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that pile... Oh, that pile of laundry that's been there for days hasn't moved? Yeah, we're worried about it. We think it can beat us in football. <laughs> that sounds like something Pitt would say sincerely. <laughs> Need two scores to beat that pile of laundry. We just can't figure it out. Uh, we regret to inform you that Coach Narduzzi drowned in that pile of laundry. <laughs> <laughs> just bricked a football off the side of it and was astounded when that didn't phase it. I I would put up just, one, just tried one, to blast the dirt off the side of it. One, one more thing, by the way, uh, Kansas is starting tackles. I would wager that both of them are well over two hundred eighty pounds. Right, they're right in their left tackle. Yeah, uh, Cit- Citadels two forty, two forty. Like there's yeah. there's yeah there's 
there is no shortage of shame. Okay, but like, but was there a shot of a lonely Georgia Tech fan reading the newspaper at the end of the game? <laughs> no, 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 because they're digital. <laughs> never be- yeah, he'd be on that that abacus. Point Boston College. <laughs> That's your point. <laughs> I love that. Honestly, I love that dude because I love that dude. He was like, you know what? I said I was gonna get out of the house. I said I wasn't coming back till the end of the game, and I'm goddamn sticking to it. Goddamn, Marie told me to get out. Told me to get some fresh air. I'm gonna stay out here. She and that she and that terrible dog. I can sit inside. I'll be over here. Fucking dog. <laughs> I'm gonna pop myself right here. <laughs> they really talk like that. <laughs> Are we playing the Chiefs? Jesus. Fucking. Fucking Jay Hawks. Where the fuck is Kansas? Fuck off, Pat Mahomes! <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there are, there are like to me, there are no shortage. Of, I'm kidding. If they like, were playing we, Pat Mahomes, there'd be a racial slur involved. The, the, there's no shortage, by the way, of like acceptably interesting things about this week, like Big Nude Saturday. Big Nude Saturday for me is like, hey man, everything was at least a B or a B plus story wise, right? If like, go I got one B exception. Graded a B plus from top to bottom. You're doing great. Wait, Holly, what's what the is exception? what is that exception? I would like to turn your attention to the shutdown full cast Reddit <laughs> <laughs> to user to user Singy Ben who went to Indiana, Ohio State on Saturday. A game that was not at all competitive. And I'm just get well. <laughs> oh, contraire. Well, there there was there was some competition at halftime. Uh, I'm going to refer now to Ben's notes. We had a TV timeout early in the first half. They then proceeded to bring out some folding tables and chairs into the end zone, maybe five to ten yards from the line of scrimmage, and announced that we're about to have a shrimp cocktail eating contest in Bloomington, Indiana. They started this late and proceeded to have the contest abruptly end early with approximately 15 to 20 people, contestants, officials, cheerleaders, all running off with various chairs, tables, goblets of shrimp, and the (laughs) tablecloth in 10 different directions while the officials bark at them to clear out. So not even at halftime, in the middle of the fucking game. <laughs> this is one. This is one loathed idiots, idiot in the athletics or marketing department, right? Idea, right? Like we'll put out a shrimp cocktail. It's so Indiana. It'll be great. Let's just get it out there. We'll go. You know now, I, I think so. You know how like every bad Pac-12 and Big Ten team, they're like, someday we're gonna make it to the Rose Bowl. Someday. I think this is Indiana just facing facts and like someday we're gonna make it to the outback. It's <laughs> so, a Bloomington onion. Uh, Homefield Apparel, if you're listening, can you just go ahead and print the University of Iodine poisoning shirts now? Thank you. Oh, thank you, God. <laughs> I just see them like I just see somebody's like Ohio State rolling what in. What does the- your stomach even feel like after just like? Wolfing like, down a like bunch a of shrimp of sh- in the end. It's zone. just like a loaf of shrimp inside you. I just thought some linemen like, like pressed into. <laughs> oh, I really need some mayo. Yeah, in there. This is all I can think about. Some linemen like 
blocking and landing in the end zone. He goes back and he's like, hey, what's that smell? Like this Ohio State lineman just pulls out like a shrimp and he's like, well, I'll be switched. Delicious. <laughs> Delicious. Oh, <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> oh, just put that in the pantheon. Oh, wait, sorry. Update. Sauce was optional, but strongly encouraged. Also appeared to be in an off-brand solo cup directly in front of the goblets of shrimp. Sure. Wow. Everyone had one rather large sharing appetizer-sized goblet. Looked like six to seven contestants, but maybe as many as ten for as bad as the infield camera work was. Since it was a two-minute burst, you'd have to be like a German shepherd to get through one of those goblets in the theoretical two minutes they thought they had. Were the shrimp peeled? Do we know that? Oh, I'm going to ask Ben. Yeah, ask Ben if they were peeled. If not, I just want to know the person who was like, hell with it. His tail won't kill me. (laughs) It's got to be the whole shrimp cocktail. Oh, God, imagine the smell on that end of the field the next time it rains when it's just like shrimp tails. (laughs) They're making stock down there in the end zone. I mostly like knowing that the way this came about was on Thursday, somebody in the IU marketing department was like, hey, did we figure out the like game we're going to play? Uh, just have a TV timeout. People are in the stadium, and you already got their money. Even if they leave, you already have their money. What if they just had a lot of shrimp they had to unload? What they did is they so whoever was responsible for this was like, ah, fuck, ah, jeez, uh, yeah, I got that figured out. I just got to run to the grocery store real quick to get lunch for an unrelated reason, and he just picked whatever was on sale first, and he was like, yep, solo oh cups and God. shrimp manager cocktail. special shrimp. <laughs> Great idea, Lewis. <laughs> dragging a dragging a folding table and spilling shrimp everywhere as the refs yell at you. Great idea, Lewis. I just, I just think about these people slowly in, in the September heat of Indiana, slowly building like an aspic or a galantine of shrimp inside their bodies. And then going back into the stands. My only vultures regret was on, that it wasn't like crabs or something where they had to like break them apart with a hammer. Yeah. Oh god, that would shower so, and that would mean that would almost ensure like at least shrimp you can fit them into your mouth whole, How right? Many? In theory, if you want to, if you had like a crab situation, then you would guarantee little bits of shell and flesh just kind of scattered all over for you know whoever to roll around in. And Ohio State was going to have that end zone for one quarter, so you know that somebody would have touched it. I just want to I- say the most Indiana thing possible would be if um. If Indiana's home field became Red Lobster Stadium. Oh, it is in the shrimp season. Excuse me, where are my manners? <laughs> I must have left them on the field in Bloomington. Endless shrimp is undefeated, though, and that can't have anything to do with Indiana football. <laughs>